0: Welcome back, my friends, to the Idiot's Toolbox. I am your humble host, Ryan Hercules. Your time is way too valuable. So, as always, I'm going to jump right in. And I am mad AF and got lots to say today. Some of it will actually be funny, I promise. So, my peer group has been chafing my ass about watching a show called Ted Lasso, different groups of guys all telling me about this show to watch it. I'm not sure where it plays, how many seasons it has, or whatever, but they're all telling me about it, and I know enough about the show to know that it's about a premier soccer league league team in jolly old England. Why do they call England jolly? Why jolly old England? Have you ever met anyone from England? They ain't jolly. The ones I've met are cranky twats that overuse the word brilliant. I got a feeling that I'm going to drift away from Ted Lasso show. So just bear with me, will you? Everything to a Brit is brilliant. Hey, Simon, your wife is taking on the Cambridge football team under the stands of the soccer pitch. Brilliant. You know what is not brilliant? My faux British accent. The Brits Brits overuse the word brilliant all the time. And it begs the question, what do Brits use for the real brilliant? When something is actually brilliant, what word do you Brits use for brilliant? I mean, brilliant has become so watered down as to convey the same emotion as quietly passing gas. It's become meaningless. Brilliant is to Brits what great is to us Yanks. Everything to us is great. We overuse the word great almost as badly as the Brits overuse the word brilliant. Hey Jalen, did you hear that we just canceled the US flag? Great. Hey Jake, did you hear that Dylan went trans? great. So jolly old England, here's what I've learned about English culture. Here is my complete mental repository about England. Something about the Magna Carta being a forebearer to our own magnificent constitution. Soccer, beer, fighting. You can't mention England without mentioning tea, shepherd's pie, bad teeth, and fish and chips. And I got a couple more, a couple more things that remind me of England. Big Ben, not Roethlisberger, Austin Powers, rock and roll, oppressive red coats and general snobbery. Did I miss anything? I'd love to know what the mental repository of Brits is of America. 10 gallon hats and cowboy boots, Teens staring into their phones 18 hours a day? Yeah, they probably have it right. I bet that my list covers 90% of what any of you guys know about jolly old England. It's the stupidest name ever. I've been to England. I've called Brits my friends and eaten their lousy food, and I can assure you, as a lot, they're not jolly. Honestly. What is jolly about Brits or their culture? Tell me. The fabulous music that's poured out of their corner of the world's not jolly. The Sex Pistols and Motorhead and the music genres of rock and punk, definitely not jolly. The Brits' two great early television imports into the United States, Benny Hill and Monty Python's Flying Service, Circus, not jolly. They were just weird and marginally funny. We believed them to be witty because they were, we were told they were witty. Like Saturday Night Live, not really that funny. Just old and sad like Biden. Just not as quite as sad. Let's, let's keep going with some other cultural aspects of England to see why they are so jolly. Sports. Of course, that only means soccer. And I've been, I, I, I've seen opposing fans throw more fists at each other than Mike Tyson. English soccer fans put the who in hooligan. Oh, Dr. Who, almost forgot, another British TV import that sucked balls. English food, check please. Bangers and Mass is a, is a catchy name for sausages and mass potatoes. Just something regular with a fancy name like Cardi B. Apologies to bangers and mash for such an awful comparison. Cardi B B makes bangers and mash look like Wagyu beef. So why are are Brits so fucking jolly? I've got a thought. I think Brits are jolly for the same reason that ugly chicks look better through beer goggles. Alcohol! I honestly believe that Brits are called jolly as a reference to their prodigious ability to consume alcohol their normal bitterness, cromungeonness goes away after a few pints of warm beer. I could see that some jolly might actually ooze to the surface after a few. I've mistakenly drank with Brits, and these guys were much more tolerable and affable as the night went on. I would even say that there was some genuine backslapping going on. But British guys, the ones I've socialized with, are mostly standoffish and will never relent on on a point. If I postulate that the Queen Mother has a mild case of dandruff and that's why her hair is always in this poofy beehive dew, any British guy will insist that she's hiding the crown jewels in her poofy hair before admitting that she's got dandruff and never back off. So I'm at this house party, hosted by our neighborhood Brit family. And I'm talking to this guy, kind of a douche, but I'm talking to him and he's telling me about how it's an art form to pour Guinness beer. I don't like the shit, so I don't really know what he's talking about, but I'm being polite and listening to his horse shit about putting a glass under a spout and pulling the handle to fill the glass with beer, that somehow this is an art form? Origami is an art form. Claymation is an art form. Scrapbooking, kind of weird, but it's a borderline art form. Paper macheing, paper macheing, definitely an art form compared to pouring beer. So he's going on and on about the time honored tradition and skill of properly pouring a Guinness. Properly pouring a Guinness is less an art form than opening a beer with your teeth, or less of an art form, you know, than the dudes that can pop beer with a lighter, or dudes that can use a seatbelt buckle to pop a beer top. I'd even say it's less of an art form than lighting your farts on fire. You say there must be something to this. For this British fuckwad to be so passionate about the art of pouring a Guinness beer, For this crank wanker to hold on to this rubbish so tightly that there's got to be a kernel of truth in it that pouring a pint of Guinness is some form of art form. For those of you normal people out there that don't know, Guinness is a kind of a creamier, frothier beer. Uh, And as you fill it, all you get is basically head and a little beer. All right, so you're picturing that, you're pouring it, pouring it warm usually or just above room temperature and as you pour it you're getting mostly head very little beer so you have to fill it wipe off the head wait till it settles refill it and repeat this is the sum total of the art form that he's telling me about let me say it again in case you missed it put the glass under the tap pull the handle get a little in the cup wait pour some more weight, pour some more weight, use a back of a butter knife, wipe the head off, wait, pour some more. So he's blathering on about this skill of pouring a Guinness and how the Guinness factory sends out guys to train bartenders on how to do this. Literally, the Guinness bar uh, distributor in any city probably does this they'll actually send a guy out to teach bartenders how to properly pour a Guinness. I bet that on my second pour of a Guinness, I could do it as well as a trained bartender that's done it 10,000 times. If I told him that, he would seriously spit that Guinness all over me, seriously. He would be in utter disbelief, in, a, in of course, an English condescending manner, that I could not pour a Guinness as well on my second time. Mind you, mind you, Guinness is a fucking Irish beer. It's not even an English beer. Why is this such a high insult to this guy is beyond me? But anyway, English guy wouldn't let it lay. He'd go to the mat on this one, trying to convince me that pouring a Guinness properly is an art form. You would think that England would have... Created the most iconic beer, as there's a pub on every corner in jolly old England. Is there a correlation to how bad your country's food is with how good your beer is? Ireland and England seem to support this hypothesis. Mexico might actually support this theory as well. England and Ireland, awful food, great beer. Mexico, yummy food, awful beer. Yeah, Corona's awful. Corona's barely beer. So much of it is skunky and urine flavored that it probably would not be considered beer in places like Bavaria. They're very picky in Bavaria about their beer having hints of urine flavor. So in this, you've got British guy blathering on talking about how the Guinness factory sends out experts to teach bartenders on how to pour a proper Guinness. So many questions in my head. I could do a 2000 word show on just this topic alone. Before I talk about who gets the job of going out and teaching bartenders how to pour, let's discuss why. As in why in the hell does a position like that even exist? When Guinness was first opening, and Seamus McGuinness was first selling his new brew in Ireland. Was he getting feedback from the local pubs that the bartenders were struggling pouring his new dark and creamy beer? You might even imagine the conversation. Seamus McGuinness to pub owner. So Finnegan, how are you getting along with my new dark creamy beer? Alright, relax on the accent. Alright? I'm just trying to be entertaining. Great beer, Seamus but we can't offer it anymore because our bartenders can't figure out how to pour the damn stuff." Right, your guilt on my accent has made me abandon it. So I'm going to do that bit again, sans accent, all right? Seamus McGinnis to pub owner. So, Finnegan, how are you getting along with my new dark and creamy beer? Great beer, Seamus, but we can't order anymore because our bartenders can't figure out how to pour the damn stuff. How insulting is that to bartenders that they need a lesson on how to pour beer? What does Guinness think is behind bartending? What does Guinness think of bartenders? That they can't figure out how to pour their beer that they have to send out an expert to do it. Anyway, how do you get that guy? Uh, Strike that. How do you get that job? of being that guy that Guinness sends out to trans bar- that trains bartenders. And how do, you, how, do you, how do you figure that out? That might be the greatest gig of all time. Can you think of a better job? Email me if you can think of a better job than the guy that goes out full time to teach bartenders how to pour a beer. I'm going to tell you a story, one that's personally embarrassing that could get me to lose my man card. The story I'm going to tell you, I'll admit, was not my best man moment. Maybe not lose my man card worthy, but definitely worth a suspension of my man card. So, I'm at this English guy's house on a weekend night. And, in your head, if you're picturing the story, think booze, lots of booze. The the food sucked monkey balls, as you would expect. But the booze depth and breadth was just sublime. It's getting late. Most of the guests have left. Just for context, I'm the guy that always stays too long. I'll stay until the host's wife has cleaned up and gone to bed. You literally have to tell me it's time to leave. I like a good time. I won't be offended when you tell me, you know, the kid's gotta catch the school bus in, in 90 minutes and it's time to go, I won't be offended. So the crowds trickle down, it's late. To a few dude, their wives, have, including mine, have already walked home. English guys pulls out an Australian bottle of Jägermeister. For those of you not initiated, Jägermeister is some, I don't know, Eastern European black booze that tastes like shit and makes you feel like shit. It may not even be Aust- Austrian, who cares? The guy who invented Jägermeister during the invention process when he was tinkering with the formula, how did this guy even know that he was done? How did he know that he had the right recipe for Jägermeister? Did he take a taste, almost puke, and then let out a combo burp and Eureka? He knew he created the worst tasting booze in the history of booze. And to my Korean listeners, I've had homemade rice wine I have some guy-to-guy advice. Guy-to-girl advice. Guy-to-guy that used to be girl advice. Don't drink it. Jägermeister, don't drink it. If you take anything away from this show, don't drink that stuff. Pay no mind to the advertising on TV with the sexy babes and the good-looking, cool dudes huddled around that green bottle of death. Fortunately for me... Prior to that night and that bottle being produced, I had puked my innards out long before. I've never been bitten by a pit bull, but if I was, I'd be scared to death of pit pit bulls. Not all dogs, just pit bulls. If it was a St. Bernard that bit me, I'd be afraid of it too. I have the same cautionary reaction when that Jägermeister green bottle is produced. Did you ever have a bully in middle school or whenever. You're having a great day. The school cafeteria served mystery meatball subs. That's what qualified for a good day for me in middle school. And you're walking out of the cafeteria satiated tomato sauce stains on your kiss t-shirt and screech you run smack dab into the bully. This is what the green bottle of Jägermeister did to me that night at English guys house. It was late like last call late the ladies were gone just the dudes not all of them just a few i already had had enough to drink the clock had told midnight an hour or two earlier so english guy pulls out some authentic bottle of jägermeister authentic in that you know it hailed from its country of origin austria germany some place where people have a low regard for their health and out come the shot glasses and in goes the black goo of death Into that shot glass goes a night of vomiting, and out goes my Sunday. In goes a monster headache, and out goes my safe drive home. In goes a night of sleeping on the bathroom floor, and out goes a night of sleeping in my warm bed. The shot glasses are all passed around, glasses are clanked, and bottoms up. You ladies in the house might be familiar with the situation. Swallow or spit. To spit would to be to face embarrassment and shame, the worst kind of shame, guy shame. So being the fucking pro that I am, I wiped my mouth on my sleeve, turned around and spit the shot glass, spit the Jagermeister back into the shot glass, and put the shot glass into the sink. All in one quick move. Pro move, I know. Two more shots and two more spits back into the glasses and into the sink. I don't care about the shame that you drop on my shoulders. I don't care about being called a pussy. I don't even care about the threat of losing my man card. Well, scratch that, I do. But no one witnessed my treachery. I'm conflicted about my, my genius and my deceit. Unsure how to process two opposite feelings on the same matter. But I can tell you this. I did learn. I did learn some valuable lessons that night. First, leave when your wife leaves. Second, avoid the green bottle. And third, don't drink with Irishmen. Fourth, fuck the haters and man-shamers. Do what you want to do and fight off the peer pressure. I'm out. Thanks for listening to The Ryan Hercules Show.